This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. We start today in Japan, where Nissan just closed its corporate headquarters and R&D center in Yokohama. Nissan says it wanted to stop forcing its employees to commute to work, where so many of them use public transportation. 15,000 employees were told to work from home for the next two weeks because Japan is seeing a surge in the coronavirus. Now to the U.S., where that virus is hurting a lot of car buyers. The Credit Acceptance Corporation, which caters to subprime car buyers, says many of them are losing their jobs and they're starting to skip their car payments. Another lender, Ally Financial, says one out of four of its customers, more than a million people, have asked to defer car payments. And 70% of them have never missed a payment before. Last week, we warned about the plummeting prices of used cars. And that could cause big financial damage with the in-house credit arms of automakers. And now we're starting to see some numbers of how bad the damage could be. J.P. Morgan estimates that GM Financial could lose $3 billion, while Ford Credit could lose $2.5 billion. The inventory of used cars is piling up, and auction houses will be in a mad scramble to sell them once the economy starts to reopen. That will result in plummeting prices, which means automakers will have to lower the residual values of cars coming off lease. And that's what will lead to big losses at the captive finance arms. A consumer survey by J.D. Power shows that automakers still have an uphill fight to try to sell electric vehicles. The survey found that 70% of Americans and 67% of Canadians have never even been in an EV. 30% of Americans say they know nothing about electrics. About one out of three Canadians and Americans said they would likely buy an EV in the next four years, but the same number said they would never buy one. J.D. Power also encountered EV owners who said they would never buy another one. They blamed high maintenance, high sticker prices, limited range, and cold weather problems. It quoted one former EV owner as saying that their EV does not provide enough heat to clear the windows in cold weather. Speaking of electric cars, if you want to get up to date with the latest developments in batteries, be sure to tune in to AutoLine After Hours this Thursday. Our guest will be Bob Gallion, who just retired as the chief technology officer of Cattle, the giant Chinese battery maker. So how did an American end up as the CTO of a Chinese battery company? And how fast does he see the cost of EV batteries coming down? Well, you're going to have to join me and Gary Vasilash as we provide you with some of the best insider views of what's going on in the global automotive industry. Big news and fuel cells today. Daimler and Volvo announced they're forming a new joint venture to develop heavy-duty fuel cell trucks. Daimler will move all of its fuel cell activities over to the new company, and Volvo will buy a 50% stake for 600 million euros. The goal will be to have fuel cells for long-haul applications in mass production in the second half of the decade, as well as develop fuel cells for other automotive and non-automotive applications. The deal should be official before the end of the year. 
We've shown you details about the new Audi A3 Sportback. Now, let's look at the sedan. We saw the new front end on the Sportback, but we also get to see the new rear end on the sedan, and we notice that the bodywork on the side has more complex angles than the outgoing model. The interior features a 10.1-inch center screen and a 10 and a quarter inch screen for the driver. A 12.3-inch digital cluster is also available. Engine choices include two gasoline and one diesel. 48-volt technology is offered on the gas engines that come with an automatic transmission. Pre-sales for the new A3 start at the end of this month in many European markets, and it carries a starting price of about 28,000 euros, which is roughly $30,000. We sure like showing you those rare and historic models from Skoda. In 1961, Skoda started working on a vehicle that could be used on farms, in forestry, coal mines, and even on the battlefield. What it came up with is a short wheelbase off-road vehicle called the Type 998, or Agromobile. A roughly 40 horsepower inline four-cylinder engine sent power through a four-speed gearbox to a gear reduction unit and finally to the rear axle, which had a limited slip differential. The front wheels could also be engaged and locked, and there was a PTO shaft at the rear. The Agromobile could be configured a number of ways. The front windshield even folded down, and bench seats could be added to the rear for seating for up to 10 people. Only 13 prototypes were made, 10 of which went to the military, but the Agromobile was never produced, primarily because of the centrally controlled planned economy in the Czech Republic and the lack of influence of its army. And don't forget that the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is opening up its digital archives every Tuesday. This week focuses on the 1910s, including the shortest scheduled Indy 500. Hyundai is showing off the safety and connectivity features of the new i20. The sporty compact hatchback is available in Europe and shares a platform with the Accent. The company claims it offers the most comprehensive safety package in the B segment, featuring automated emergency braking, pedestrian detection, and a driver attention warning, which will alert drivers if it detects inattentive driving patterns. Moving to the interior, the new i20 features a 10.25-inch touchscreen with voice command, and it offers a Bose premium sound system. Connectivity features include a wireless charging pad for smartphones, and Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are now offered wirelessly. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. Automakers are going crazy, putting giant screens on the dashboards of their cars. Everyone is trying to outdo the other, and EV startup Byton looks like it might be in the lead. It's putting a giant 48-inch display screen in its vehicles. But will they be too distracting? I spoke with Dre Nitzed Nelson from Byton, and here's what he had to say about why their screens are not distracting. So as you can see here, for example, um, you can see that the, the information is not that much. We have our instrument cluster, like in a traditional car, uh, pretty um, nicely designed in a, in a very easy way uh, to read and understand. Uh, we have a media uh, player, which is uh, basically a list element and your artwork. And that's already it in this particular case. We have, of course, other applications, which will appear differently on the screen. But I give you an example, uh, if you contrast a map experience in the car on a, let's say, 
11 inch display uh, with all the information on the map you want to see, like street names, uh, PUIs, and all of that. And on top of it, even the interaction noble items, meaning buttons, because it's a touch display, that would take up a lot of real estate. And what that means is you get actually easier distracted because you have so much information on such a small space. Now, you take the buttons out and take the rest of the information and spread them out on a bigger screen. It is much easier to read. That's not um, distracting at all. It's actually the opposite. What we're achieving is it's a much easier way to interact with this entire system. It's much easier to read and understand even these like little, uh, little details on, for example, a map. And of course, you can watch that full interview right now on our YouTube channel. GM is going all in on renewable energy. It just signed a deal with the utility DTE Energy for 500,000 megawatt hours of solar energy. Last year, GM bought 300,000 megawatt hours of wind energy from DTE. And by 2023, that solar and wind energy will be used to power all of the company's DTE-powered facilities in southeast Michigan. That includes the company's global headquarters in downtown Detroit, its tech center in Warren, the Milford Proving Grounds, its Orion and Detroit Hamtramck plants, as well as several other sites in the area. GM's investment of 800,000 megawatt hours is the equivalent of 63 million gallons of gas of CO2 emissions, and it's enough electricity to power more than 100,000 homes in an average year. Well, Ford just proved something that maybe we already knew, and that's that new cars are quieter than old ones. Ford made a video comparing the in-cabin noise from models dating back to 1966. Not surprisingly, the amount of noise decreases over the years and ends with the new Ford Kuga with an impressive 69 decibels inside the car. But the thing is, Ford used a plug-in hybrid version of the Kuga for the test. So while the engines of other cars were singing away, the Kuga was running on electric power. And so, of course, we would all hope that it would run quieter. And that brings us to the end of today's report. Thanks for watching AutoLine Daily.